Welcome to the CPA Success Podcast, and I'm Blair Cook. And I'm Jen Nicholson. Today we are joined by Mike Brown and John Oakey. Mike is a manager at Collins Barrow in Halifax and a cryptocurrency and blockchain enthusiast. And John is a partner at Collins Barrow here in Halifax with over 20 years experience working with personal and corporate tax clients in Canada and the U.S., John is also a regular contributor and speaker to the Canadian Tax Foundation, CPA Canada, and CPA Nova Scotia. Today, we're going to be talking to John and Mike about taxation issues of cryptocurrencies. That sounds very confusing and very interesting these days. Let's get started. Welcome back to the CPA Success Podcast. I'm Blair Cook, and with me today, I'm joined by John Oakey, who's a partner with Collins Barrow here in Halifax, and Mike Brown, who's a manager with Collins Barrow. In this episode, we're going to talk about the taxation of crypto. Those cryptocurrencies that are out there, these have been around for a few years, but hit mainstream really earlier this year. And so uh, a lot of people have piled into the space, uh, have dabbled in, you know, mining activities for any one of, say, the 1900 cryptocurrencies that are out there. Uh, And so at some point later this year or early next year, tax returns are going to get filed. And so we're going to talk about what is the status of taxation of cryptocurrencies. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for having us. Great. Let's start out with just talking uh, and make sure we get all on the same page as to what are the sources of income when we talk about cryptocurrencies. Where does income come for someone who is in this space? Mike, do you want to discuss the activity of mining and how that generates revenue? Sure. So for those who don't know, most cryptocurrencies are generated through the process of mining, which is not like your actual physical mining of ores or, or minerals or anything like that. What you're actually doing is verifying transactions of cryptocurrencies between different parties. Uh, And by verifying those transactions, you're rewarded with whatever type of crypto um, whose blockchain you're verifying. So that's the process of mining is somebody verifying transactions and getting cryptocurrency. They get a reward. They do. And then there's two different models of of mining that are out there. There's the the proof of work. And can you explain what proof of proof of work is? Yes. So proof of work is, is what we commonly call mining. So that is just saying that if you're putting in the work to verify those transactions, you're going to get a reward in return. So that's um, there's actual work. Now it's a computer doing the work, not an actual person. But So that's what proof of work is. There's alternative validation methods that are coming up now because uh, proof of work uses a lot of energy. Uh, if you read anything about energy use in cryptocurrency, you'll see it was, I think at one point it was up to... 3% of the world's energy or 1% somewhere in between there being used towards mining. So other methods are coming up like proof of stake. Proof of stake is where you um, you essentially stake the coins that you already have. Uh, and the more coins that you have, you have a better chance of being selected to verify transactions. So what the network does is pick certain nodes, being a user who's, who's using coins, um, and pick certain ones to verify transactions rather than the whole network, like under proof of work. Yeah, and so under proof of work, the, the entire network is thousands of nodes, for instance, in the Bitcoin network around the world, all try to solve, uh, is that the way to describe? Yeah. Solve uh, the algorithm, which really is the integrity of the network. Yeah, exactly. But only one miner gets awarded that that uh, coin or one mining network. Right, so miners will often pool their resources together because the odds of, that there's so much energy and, and computing oh, and power needed now that the odds of one miner actually getting the, the reward is, is slim. Exactly, and so all the other miners who are trying to solve it but are unsuccessful 
you know, they're wasting a lot of energy to yes. do that. Yeah. And so that's what makes the, the proof of work less efficient. Right. Whereas proof of stake is the model that they're trying to move towards. Yeah. Exactly. But in both models, you're being awarded cryptocurrency for performing that, that validation, that transaction validation function. That's correct. And that sort of leads into how do you actually tax this stuff? Where does the revenue come from? Is it more, you know, creating a source or is it more performing a service and getting rewarded for that? And that's something that John and I have looked into quite a bit. And John, uh, and across your client base, are you starting to see, is it, is it individuals? Is it corporations? Is it both? Who, who's out there actually doing mining these days? Well, it's, uh, it's, it's a bunch of different people. I mean, there's, there's individuals that are out there mining, not as many anymore because, you know, the energy resources have significantly increased and the cost has significantly increased. So, you know, anybody that thought they're going to sit in their basement, you know, in today's day and age and, you know, try to mine and make, you know, profit of it, you know, they're not going to make profit anymore. So, you year, know, But however a year ago they were. I wouldn't even know if say a year ago. A couple ago. years ago? A few, a few years ago, yes. But the, you know, the computing power is getting, uh, it, you know, the demands for computing power is, is significantly higher. The cost for electricity is significant, you know, significantly high. And so at least with Bitcoins, now also there's lots of other cryptocurrencies out there, but, you know, focusing on Bitcoins, the ability for individuals alone to have a very small operations and be profitable is very limited. So a lot of the Bitcoin operations are significantly large with huge invested dollars in order to try to you know produce a profit with you know with the Bitcoin. And so something that Mike and I, uh, along with a colleague of ours as well, uh, Miles Bilodo, something that we've been working on, trying to um, look at what is the foundation, the basis of taxation for you know cryptocurrency. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, technology has changed, you know, decade over decade over decade. There's always new advancements of technology. And the Income Tax Act, you know, on its fundamentals, when you go back to the basics, should be able to deal with most situations. This isn't the first time new technology has creeped into the system. And so we shouldn't have to automatically respond and say, oh, my gosh, we have to create new legislation to deal with this. One of the issues, of course, is cryptocurrency, which everybody treats like a currency yeah it's is called not, currency it's not it's not a legal currency it's it's not legal currency based on the income tax act so therefore how do we treat it well canada revenue agency they are treating it like a commodity so you get into this barter transaction if you go back to, you know hundreds and hundreds of years we're trading chickens you want something here's a chicken you give me a pig we've now done a barter transaction so that's why they're treating a bitcoin so the, the currency is a misnomer it's, it functions as a currency but it's more like a chicken that's right in, in, right. in a sense that's, that's actually correct <laughs> and and this is where it's been difficult because it looks like a currency it feels like a currency it seems like a currency but legally it's not and CRA treats it like a barter transaction so what we're trying to do is go back to the fundamentals of taxation and say, okay, well, what creates a taxable income? Well, in order to have taxable income, you have to go to Section 3 of the Income Tax Act, which says, well, income comes from a source. Okay, what is a source? And this is where we've come up with a couple different theories. So with Bitcoin, and focusing on Bitcoin, just because that's the kind of the mainstream cryptocurrency right now, focusing on Bitcoin, the source if you're mining for the purpose of trying to get Bitcoin, so then you can resell it later, well, what would the source be? Well, the source would be the Bitcoin that you created, and you're trying to create income off of that Bitcoin. So you'd be trying to monetize on the reselling of the Bitcoin, which then leads you into, 
wanting to record the receipt of the Bitcoin-like inventory. So right. all that power that we were talking about earlier with proof of stake or, or proof of work, either concept, that would almost be like an input cost to create inventory. So you, you'd show it, that, that's how we treat it from a tax and, and perspective. That's, and that's one concept is that you would treat it like inventory. So all the, all the expenses, all the direct expenses that are going into trying to create, trying to mine the Bitcoin, you capitalize that into your inventory. When you sell the Bitcoin that you realize earned, it. Crystallize then, it into fiat currency. That's right. Then you're realizing the, you're monetizing the value of the Bitcoin, and at that point in time, you're recognizing the profit. That's that's one theory. So, but if you never realize it, let's say you just leave your Bitcoin inventory in place forever, doesn't that? That's a great tax deferral scheme right there. <laughs> it is. That's correct. And and that. And, but when you do that, when you say you're leaving it there for a long period of time, that starts to break down that theory, because the theory of mining something to put it into inventory to resell it. If you look at the frequency of transactions and you know in the need to turn over your inventory, you wouldn't do that, right? If you're in a business of trying to sell something, you don't put it into inventory and hold on to it for five or six years, right? So, so that theory, if you're trying to get it and hold on to it, we looked at another concept, which was if you have a computer system, which is what you do, you have a specialized computer system, you hook that up to the network, you're then mining for Bitcoin, and the whole mining component is that you're trying to solve these algorithms, you're, you're trying to solve problems, you get rewarded, well, would that not be a service? Are you not providing a service to the network? And so, under that concept, you'd actually be recognizing the revenue at the point in time that you received the Bitcoin at the fair market value that, you're, you know, that it would be at that point in time, you'll be recognizing it then because you have provided a service within the network. And there is valuations. I mean, Bitcoin's traded 24-7 around the globe. So Correct. at any point in time, you can put a, a, a dollar value, a, a Canadian dollar tax value on that transaction or that service. That's right. And so when we're looking at this, and, and, and we've thrown lots of analogies at this for both theories, and, and the analogies sort of stand up under both theories. So where we're really coming at this is that it really comes down to the intentions. What's your business model? What are your intentions? Is your intentions truly to get Bitcoin in order to sell it in the open market? If it is, then you're probably monetizing at the point in time of sale when you resell it. Or is your intention to just provide a service? You know, I have a data mining center, I'm providing a service by solving these problems, I receive Bitcoin, that's my accretion of wealth. I monetize it at that point in time as soon as I receive the Bitcoin. Really feels like the same thing to me. I still, it's so subtle in that difference because you know, I was a CFO of a blockchain company and we were doing mining and I just don't see the distinction. We were mining to get Bitcoin. And this, and this is where we're having difficulties with this because both theories make logical sense. Yeah. Uh, and at the end of the day, the timing difference between recognizing the revenue, is there a significant timing difference between either one? Maybe, maybe not, because if you're bringing in Bitcoin because of the fluctuation of Bitcoin, you're probably trying to sell it fairly quickly, monetize it fairly quickly. So under either scenario, your profit at the end of the year will probably be somewhat similar because you're probably moving the Bitcoin you know, fairly consistently under either scenario because at the end of the day, you're not mining Bitcoin to hold on to it forever, I'm assuming. You'd be you yes. know, more of an expert than that. Uh, no, we, well, we held some and we trade around it. We, in fact, put, we mine it and put it into a trading operation. And so it brings up to, you know, I always saw mining as being an active business income kind of activity. You throw it into a trading operation and if it's there just to hold it, if you're long crypto for a long period of time, uh, you, if you take a look at a stock chart on, 
on uh, cryptocurrencies. There's been a significant uh, amount of, even, even with the significant pullback we've had this year, it's still up quite considerably from where it started. You know, so there, there is people out there who are long cryptocurrency and could argue that it's, a, it's, a, it's almost a capital asset, it's an, it's an investment. And, and, that's, and that's a valid point, I'm glad you brought that up because if you look at it from this point of view, if I mine a Bitcoin and I receive 10 Bitcoin, I hold on to it for 10 years. So I've deferred the revenue recognition on accretion of wealth because as soon as I receive that Bitcoin, I have increased my wealth. I've deferred the recognition of any income from a taxation point of view for 10 years until I sold it. I sell it, I'm going to call that a capital gain. Yeah. Well, if I'm in the business of mining Bitcoin, how should I ever be able to have a situation where I avoided 100% income inclusion and only had a capital gain taxed at 50%? If it's a business, you should have 100% income which brings me back to the model that you should be recognizing it probably sooner than deferring it for a long period of time. Interesting. Uh, Mike, what, what are your thoughts? What are, you, what, are, what are the filing positions you've taken? You've got clients who are, are actually out there uh, doing mining activities now, individuals, corporations. Uh, how have you been filing those tax returns? Um, oh, geez, I don't want to get myself in any hot water here. <laughs> um, but mostly the, the clients that I have are are when they're mining, they're mining it um, typically personally. And what, what, what I'll do is, um, is typically recognize that as revenue right when they receive the cryptocurrency, um, more taking the position that it is a service of validating transactions and their cryptocurrency that they receive, they get that as a, a payment on that on So that is, service. is it an active business then in, in, in that? Is there, I would, I would is say there, so. Yeah, yes. and is there an alternative approach? You know, what we were talking, we were talking about hobby. Right. Well, I, I do. I do just want to say that. So that's when they receive the cryptocurrency, and right. then what do they do with it after? And that's John's point about intention. Uh, is that okay. then they're you know most of them they mine it, and the ones that I've seen they then used it as an investment vehicle. Yeah. So we take a capital treatment on on that side of things. It's just active business when they've you know verified the services and received the, the crypto. And the yeah yeah it's the cap it's a capital gains treatment on the the actual holding of it. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that that's typically the position that I've taken for our clients that are dealing with cryptocurrency. And, and that's consistent with what we've been talking about, which is if you've received the Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, you have to be taxed somehow on the receipt of that. And it's really just the timing of when you're going to get taxed on it. You know, are you going to get taxed on the resale of it or are you going to get taxed on it immediately because it's considered a service? So there, there's the taxation of creating that Bitcoin or that cryptocurrency wealth. And then like Mike is saying, after that, if you held on to the currency, well, what do you do with it then? If you're holding on for an investment, if you sold it later on as an investment, well, then you might have capital gains treatment instead of business income. Or if you've consumed, well, then you get into what CRA's position is, which is barter transactions, because you're consuming the Bitcoin in, and you know, Mike has clients where they're using Bitcoin to pay their employees. Well, there's a situation there where they've consumed it, they recognize it, and that's where you get into this transaction where you have a capital gain on the utilization of the Bitcoin in that particular transaction. But if you're paying your employees, like you can't get capital gains on that using Bitcoin, could you? Well, you would, yes. Would you? In, in, paying in, in, an operating expense and, and taking capital gains treatment on, I guess, the, the difference in the value or the fluctuation in the value of the cryptocurrency. That's right, because you, you have to recognize getting the cryptocurrency. 
right? Because yeah. you, I mean, you can't record it without recognizing it. At, you know, at you some first get it. So you have to recognize it right away. And then if you hold on to it and do something with it, well, there's a difference between your cost base when you originally recognized getting it and then the value on when you've utilized it. And because CRA considers it a commodity, we're back into that I'm trading a chicken for your pig. So right. I've disposed of my chicken. I've acquired your pig. You've done the exact opposite. You disposed of your pig and acquired a chicken. That's two transactions. And right, and because we know the value of Bitcoin, we can translate it, that would determine the value of our chickens and pigs. Correct. Fascinating. What's the status of this as tax practitioners? And you're, like I said, you guys are in the, the throes of this. Have, has there been a consensus? You know, there, there was some guidance put out there around the, the commodity perspective, but is there a building consensus around how we're going to tackle these things or at least a, a process going forward to determining this answer? Well, I'll give my quick thoughts and then I'll let Mike uh, take over because I know he's done some research on this. So with regards to a consensus in Canada, Canada Revenue Agency back in 2014 came up with a technical interpretation which provided some basis, but I mean it was only about a one and a half page. And if you think of cryptocurrencies, bitcoins and all the technology and the complexities there, you can answer this in a one and a half page. Uh, there's been some papers written through the uh, Canadian Tax Foundation that do a really good job explaining a lot of the tech, you know, the, the technology behind cryptocurrencies, behind blockchain, and they try to, you know, bring taxation and accounting principles into that as well. Now, worldwide, no, there's not a consensus. I assume there's probably a consensus to some degree, but I know the U.S. treats it differently than what Canada. Really? Does. So the nobody's nobody's yeah, like you say, it's. And, 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 you know, and the, and the taxation principles are different between the U.S. taxation system and the Canadian taxation system. So there is some difference in the principles anyways. And so, you know, on cryptocurrency, you know, our, our philosophy, or at least what CRA has uh, published, is different than what, uh, you know, the Internal Revenue Service has published. But Mike has done, you know, looking around at various other countries to, to you know, kind of look at what they're doing to see if we can mirror that into what we're doing here in Canada and see if some of this starts to make some sense. Yeah, and I mean, there, like you said, there, there really isn't a consensus because it seems like every country is taking a, a slightly different approach and sometimes a very different approach. And I think it's... You know, when, they, when you look across the crypto world, I think, was it Luxembourg and some of those countries seem to be on the forefront of it? Is, is the governments also on the forefront of taxation? Uh, t typically, you would find that um, in countries where the, where the government is sort of pro-crypto that you're gonna have. Iceland is another one? Iceland is another one, yep. And Iceland and a couple other Northern European countries were also very popular for crypto miners because they had the right climate for yeah, it. Yeah, cold, um, cold good. Exactly, cold good, hot bad. Yeah. <laughs> so you would, you would find that those countries typically have sort of legislation that lends itself to being more pro-crypto. Um, and you'll see that uh, one of the world leaders in crypto right now is, is Japan and they have very um, pro-crypto sort of tax legislation um, or are in the process of developing it right now. Um, a couple other countries, uh, I don't have my notes with me right now, so I can't remember exactly, you know, tax rates and different no, stuff. No, that's fine. Um, but, but have they taken this view that it's a commodity or is, has anybody out there adopted this as a financial instrument? There are some countries, um, and I don't want to say the names because I don't want to be quoted like no, that's, that's fine. and say the wrong name, um, but... You know, there are some countries that haven't defined it as currency, but defined it as sort of money-ish or yes. private money. Yeah. And so they're, they're moving towards that sort of classification as cryptocurrency as an actual currency, which is kind of interesting. Um, and there's been countries who have toyed with the idea of coming up with their own sort of national cryptocurrency and whether they plan on 
using that to replace their fiat currency or whatever. Um, it's kind of interesting. I know the UK had looked into um, using its own national cryptocurrency, and there's a, a couple other ones. One more notably that you might hear of is, is the Venezuelan cryptocurrency that's tied to oil reserves somewhere hidden in their country that nobody can you know, seem to find. But um, it's interesting how every, every country is almost taking a, like a different approach to it, and I wonder if we're ever going to come to sort of a global consensus or not. Guys, fascinating discussion. I'm not sure we actually reached a consensus ourselves here, other than to say that uh, as, as year-ends come along, probably the best advice is consult your tax advisors, as it is an ever-moving landscape when it comes to taxation of cryptocurrency. John, Mike, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having us, Blair. Thank you very much, Blair.